As we look into the Word of God uh, week by week, day by day, um, sometimes I don't know if we make natural decisions or if we look at it supernaturally like it is. So we're going to look at a portion of Scripture and lay a foundation and about halfway through or a little about 25% through, we'll turn it towards how it relates to us. 2 Samuel 11.1 1 says this, And it came to pass, after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David tarried still at Jerusalem. Now, this is a, a scripture that you could probably kind of easily read over and really not, not grab what, what God is trying to tell us. But back in the biblical times and in that part of the world, war was normally fought uh, during the winter months because of rain and, and cold weather. Just travel was just impossible to even have wars. So fighting's always resumed in the spring. So I'm going to read that scripture again with that thought in mind, and I'll read it in a New King James, which says, It happened in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab, his servant, with him in all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. David sent Joab David remained at Ju Jerusalem. This is what we're going to look at. David should have been out at battle, but he remained behind. In 2 Samuel 10, you read that later sometime, you will see that Joab and, and the army of the mighty men were, were preserved against the Syrians, but they did not get complete and total victory until David went. And only when David went did they have the victory that they were promised according to the word of God. So God was telling David, there is a certain time when you need to be at battle. There's a certain time when you have to make war, but the Bible tells us that David remained at Jerusalem. So in essence, David is disobeying the word of God. There was a time he was the chosen leader. He was anointed of God to be king over Israel. It was a time when the kings were to go to war, and David said, mm, I don't think so. Not today. I don't feel like it. It's rainy, it's cold, it's a great night, day, morning to pull the covers up and just not go. And so he sent Joab. So we can see uh, uh, already this the disobedience. Now look, the principles of Galatians 5.16, listen what it says. Walk in the Spirit. Now you have to figure out how was David walking right there. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. That's a, that's a word for you and I this morning. You and I are to walk in the Spirit. If we choose, um, no, nah, I don't think so, then God's telling us we're going to end up walking in the flesh. You and I must be stirred daily, every day, to walk according to the Word of God. Galatians even tells us, walk in the Spirit, walk in the things of God, walk in obedience to the Word of God. And you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, is what this Bible is telling us. In other words, God says, I expect you to do what I ask. Amen. Guys are scary this morning. You ought to be up here every once in a while. Turn around and look at you guys. <laughs> 
1 Samuel 15, 22, again, a uh, New Living Translation. Samuel replied, he says, what is more pleasing to the Lord? It's a question. Your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your givings above and beyond, how you try to bless the church, not a horrible thing. But he said, is that more pleasing to the Lord or your obedience to his voice? Absolutely. He's given, I say, listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. Submission is better than offerings the fat of the rams. God says, look, you want to bless me? You want to make your heavenly father smile? Just obey me. Didn't that work with you natural dads? When your kids actually did what you asked them to do and they did it good, it blessed you. And this is what our heavenly father is saying. Religious observance without obedience is an empty form of serving God. Empty. Absolutely empty. David, what are you doing here? What excuse or reason could he give God when the word of God says, at this time, you are to be there? What are you doing here? Well, um... King David, what, ended up in a huge mess because he wasn't where God told him to be when God told him to be there. A huge mess. Second Samuel 11, 2. And it came to pass in the evening tide that David arose from off his bed, wasn't supposed to be on his bed. And he walked upon the roof of the king's house. He wasn't supposed to be on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself. He wasn't supposed to be seeing that woman washing herself. And you know the enemy. The enemy made sure this woman was a knockout. It wasn't some 98-year-old grandma washing herself. David then what? Sent and required after the woman. And one said, is not this Bathsheba? He said, this is uh, somebody's wife. Now David arose from his bed and walked on the roof. That, and that Hebrew, that Hebrew word uh, form of walk suggests this, that David was pacing back and forth. You ever get yourself a pacing sometime? It's never over something good. He probably was doing like this because he was probably saying, you know, I should be out there with my men. I don't know why I stayed here. What the heck? I wonder how it's going. I wonder what's, how's it going? He wasn't even supposed to be there. He's probably under the convicting finger of God because don't you feel the convicting finger of God when you know you're doing something totally opposite of what the Word tells you? And if you don't, you want to run to this altar. And beg for mercy. If you don't feel the heavy convicting finger of God on you. And you're going contrary to his word. And that's what David was doing. He's supposed to be out there in battle. Leading his men. He's anointed for it. He's anointed for the strategy. The battle plans and the blueprints. And he's back there. And he sent his men. Look, David's sin wasn't in seeing Bathsheba. I mean, it didn't help. But it wasn't. I don't believe he even expected or planned to, th- I don't think he was saying, I'm going to stay here because in a few minutes I'm going to walk on the roof and I'm going to see that babe washing. I, I don't even think he expected any of that. You know what his sin was? His sin was disobedience, not obeying God, not obeying the word of God. You don't need to hear a voice of God when you got this in your lap. This is speaking to you. It should speak to you. It's the word of God. It's not a suggestion book. So how does all this relate to us, David's blunder? Well, it's probably pretty obvious to you and I now. 
There's a warning in the book of Hebrews that the majority of us ignore. And I know that I'm kind of like preaching at the choir this morning. But there are friends and people that you love and long for that you know ought to be in the house of God somewhere and aren't. So as I give you this, you give them. And if you lack in this, you need to sit straight up and say, you know what, God, you're right. And that warning in Hebrews tells us, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. I don't know. It's rainy, it's cold, and Hurricane Sandy's about 300 miles away. And so we don't. We just do. We make natural decisions over supernatural stuff. And it's always wrong. God tells you, don't you forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And our actions either agree with God or we tell God, I know better. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. This is just like God saying, King David, in the time of spring, you should be at war over there. God is telling you and I, when we come together, as you see the day approaching, you don't forsake it. Don't forsake the assembly. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Comma, even more, but exhorting one another. No, no, man, this is not the time. Come on. Start yourself. It's crazy out there. You have no idea what the morning news might say. It says, but exhorting one another in so much that the more as you see the day approaching. What day? Christmas? Easter? Your vacation? The return of Christ is what that's talking about. As you see the world spinning crazier and crazier out of control, as you see decisions coming from authority who make laws anti-God, anti-Christ, and God is saying, as you see that day come, start exhorting, don't, don't, don't forsake yourselves, the assembling of yourselves together, as some is. NIV tells us this, let us not give up meeting together. Churches are. They're giving up. They're giving up Sunday nights. Why? Why do we have Sunday nights? It's a natural decision. Wednesdays, why? Natural decisions. Not even thinking what supernatural things could be taking place. Believing by faith that God is doing things as you sit in the house of God and as you come to hear the word of God or to pray together. It's a natural, uh, I don't know, I'm tired, I worked long. Making natural decisions over supernatural things that God wants to do. You're sitting in the presence of God right now. You're sitting in his house. You are his house. Where two or three are gathered, there am I in the midst of you. Um, nah, I don't think so. Kmart's got a good sale this morning. Natural, how can we make these natural decisions and think they're not going to affect us? We don't even look at this as important much anymore, certainly in America. We just don't, and it's a trap of the enemy. It's a sneaking, lying, slithering say, you don't have to go. Because we look naturally and we make natural decisions. Even now, today, you can say, well, you know, it's okay, like another message. I don't know what's a big deal. Because we look with these eyes. 
And God tells us, don't you dare, don't you give up on meeting together. Many, many people go to church if they feel they have a need. First thing you shouldn't feel. You can't trust feelings. They lie to you all the time. You go by faith. And God says you hear faith. You get faith by hearing the word of God. Even like this morning, I'm giving you the word of God. I'm not giving you Sports Illustrated or Reader's Digest. We're giving the word of God mixed in a supernatural atmosphere with a supernatural God. And faith is produced in the hearts of those that believe that are gathering together. Oh, pastor. It's true. It's the word of God. So many people just come if they have need at that time. But truly, your motivation or, or, or for fellowship must be to obey God. God says, don't do this, David. Get over there. And David chose better, he thought. Falls into adultery with this woman, murders the husband, and the baby dies. And all he had to do was get up and do what God said. Get over there. What's one time? Well, how do you become a drunk? By taking one sip. Mm. Just one time. And, and same thing that happens to us. How do we lose our love for God? Just one time. One time you don't show up, or one time you don't get in a word, or one time you don't pray, or one time you don't fall in love and worshiping God. Coming to church is a time where you would encourage others around you. Right here, just two ladies weeping in front of God. What if the one didn't come? The Bible tells us so much more as you see the day approaching. More, not less. And the American church is trimming it, doing less. Some have trimmed it because the electricity is expensive. And it is. That word forsaking, you know what that means? Abandon. God says don't abandon coming together means a dessert. You're gone, throw it down, and you're gone. Don't desert. Don't be AWOL. The assembling of yourselves together, coming to church is a spiritual decision, not a natural one. Coming to the house of God has spiritual reasons and benefits, even if you don't see them. Been doing this long enough. Raised four. And now have the years to see them. The benefits from it, from the four years of going in church, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, crying, yelling, books, kids, socks, shoes, get them, let's go, we're going to be late. Thinking, what for? Now I can see the years and the benefits of the unseen that God was doing, putting church over stupid football games or various events that you can watch anytime you want now on any apparatus at any given moment. There's not even a threat of missing it. Now I have the years that I can see those who, who get involved in church and serve God for their love for God. I can see and watch them over the years grow and be awesome in God and see those that choose not. 
those that see no urgency, no desire, no reason. There's an obvious difference. Bible says this to us, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. Ye which are spiritual, this is a spiritual walk, spiritual decisions. You're making them now listening to me. It could be, oh man, shut up. Or it could be, amen. You're making a decision. Ye that are spiritual. That word spiritual means one who is filled with and governed by the Spirit of God. Not what you want. Do what you think when you want. Church is coming at the wrong time. One who is filled with and governed by the Spirit of God. Spiritual decisions that you make are going to affect, look, whether you like it or not, generations down the line. Well, why doesn't this happen to everybody? Well, 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. We just don't get it. We don't understand it. I'm not talking about legalistic junk. You're making us come to... No, I'm talking about the desire and the longing and seeing the reason behind it and the fruits and the benefits and the protection and the wisdom and the godly knowledge that you get and how God can move and you come to the altar and weep and things are exposed in your heart and you pull them out and you tell God, I love you, God. The natural man doesn't see any reason for this. For they are foolishness unto him. And I can remember when I first became Christian and came to Christ, or at least when Ruth was in it before I was, and I'm going, three days a week? Are you nuts? But that come from a heart that was used to a dead, dry, nothing church. Why would I want to do that three times? Not knowing that the Spirit gives life. And there'd be a whole new thing about God I'd understand. To the natural man, it's foolishness. He can't even figure it out, it says, because they are spiritually discerned. They're only discerned. Coming to church, the house of God, prayer meetings, Bible studies, men's Bible study on Wednesday, spiritually discerned. If you can and you're not, you're a buffoon. How can you say that? Because I know what happens to us if we don't when we can. Same as David. We'll be somewhere we shouldn't, see something we shouldn't, do something we shouldn't, end up in a mess we were never supposed to be if we just would have been doing what God has called us and told us to do. What man should not be at a gathering of other men where the intent is to fireproof their marriage? What? What, what should we be doing? I understand if you work, fine. I understand all that kind of stuff. Uh, my, my son got called in to extra work. He's preaching tonight. He got off at 7 this morning. I said, Jay, just go and get some sleep and come back with strength. I'm not going to say, what are you not doing here, you bum? Look, I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. I'm talking about the, the spiritual desire and the longing and the, and the appetite and the benefits that we don't understand that we get because we look for these natural uh, what? What? We don't get them, but they are reflected in your walk. They're reflected in your decision-making. They're reflected in how you think, how you plan, how you raise children, how you make decisions. All reflected. The title of the message was The Need. Do you see the need? 
We have to deal with the material world. So there's nothing inherently sinful in the natural life. God is not displeased when you have to eat, sleep, and work. He's not. I understand that. And if you say that when you leave here, that's false. It's on the tape and we'll prove it to you. But life only on that level is without spiritual insight. Working, sleeping, and eating without the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. You have got to step into that supernatural, and you've got to open up that supernatural book and obey it. And believe by faith, because that's how you're supposed to walk. You're walking by faith at what you're doing. All your eggs should be in this gospel basket. To all those that are following you, we're going to reap the benefits. Spiritual things, foolishness to the natural man. Why waste time? On the spiritual things, I got to cut grass or watch the game or whatever, make money, have fun. Why waste time? Those are natural decisions. Too many of us as Christians still think the natural man. Natural man refuses to spiritually discern things. This is a filter. You discern what you watch, what your kids watch, what you think, what you believe, what you vote. Through this, not through the wallet, through this. Next Sunday, it says, vote your values. Well, we're going to see what values you're talking about. It's a nice little saying on a billboard, but what's your values? Are the values your job or your position? Or are they the word? And so we're going to, we're going to, we've got to live by this word, by the word of God. We are not spiritually discerning things or the signs of the times. This coming to the house of God, hearing the word of God, if it's preached like it should be, anointed like it should be, continually sharpens the sword that you should be carrying. Sharpen and when the masses are going, I think this is true. You should go, man, it's not. Yeah, but look how many. I don't care how many. It's not. You don't come. You don't get involved. You can't cut butter. With your discerning, you get involved and you trust God by faith and you get in the word and you cry out to God and you do what you can for God. You'll be sharp. You'll be a warrior for Christ. What's that? That's not of God. And God says, be here at this time. You say, yes, Lord. Not take a vote. Take a census. Mm. This stuff will keep you out of trouble. I bet you David would have liked to have changed his mind. Natural man, the gas prices are too high to come back to church. Oh, you'll pay a price. You're going to pay a price. The, the dumbest excuse in the world, and sorry if I offend you, but so be it, I guess. I'm grounding my child. They're not allowed to come to youth ministry. What? We need to turn the parents over to the security team. Do you understand that the youth, when they receive the word of God, is the best thing for you as parents? The absolutely best thing to put them in a, a house of God with other kids crying out to God. Not home. Another one. The kids got to get up early in the morning, so I'm not coming back to the house of God. If, when you say them like that, they should sound really dumb to you. A God who made the sun stand still. 
You understand? You can put your kid to bed at 7, wake him up at 8, and he'll feel like Hercules if God wants him to. God says you need more time, I'll back the sun up 10 degrees. You can't believe by faith that coming to the house of God for them to hear the word of God again is more beneficial than another hour of sleep? That's a natural decision, having no supernatural thoughts of what God could do, place in them, want to do, just saturated again, sitting in the presence of God, worshiping God, music going on, word of God going, youth ministry buzzing. We don't see the need. Look at this scripture here. This is the key. 1 Corinthians 10, 23. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. Do you understand? It was okay for me to go to Walmart this morning. It was lawful. But as I plummet with the word of God, the plumb line, it says, that's a dumb decision. All things are lawful for me, but this thing is not real expedient or helpful. So I say, honey, we're going to church. All things are lawful, but some things are just not right at that time. He goes on and says, all things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. What would you rather have? Your child sitting in the house of God or screaming at his lungs that he wants the next Hot Wheel at Walmart? What's more helpful? What's more edifying? What's more pleasing to God? Do you understand? We can do things. It's okay. They are lawful, but I don't know if they're wise. Blowing off church, look, is not wise. Blown off the word of God, whatever God has given Jason tonight is not wise. But we will. New King James sings, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All through raising our children, all four of them. Not one, all four of them. They weren't all, oh, we're going to church, we're going to church again. Oh, we're going to church again. No, you're going. All four of them. And it wasn't easy, and I wasn't pastoring, sounding like I have to be there. It would have been lawful, would have been all right, would have been legal if we cut back. But I don't know if it would have been helpful for them at their ages now. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Which edifies? Watching the Steelers tonight or coming to the house of God? Watching the Reds? or coming to the house of God, playing all those games that you can play with people in Switzerland and your next-door neighbor, does that edify? Say it like it is. Say amen or something. It's the truth. Do you understand that as you see the day approaching, what is going to be helpful? Blow off church as if there's no consequence. Oh, my gosh. Look, I'm telling you from experiences. Experience, I see oodles of different faces through the 38 years that I've been doing this, and only the faces change, but the stories do not. It's only the faces. And I can't get Johnny in the church. I want to say, well, you should have got him in when he was. You really can't 
talk like that too much, I guess. Do you understand? It's, I see it all the time. And you have loved ones, neighbors, people that used to, people that always tell you they want to, and they don't. And if you are, bless your heart, but go and stir them up as you see the days approaching. The darkness that is coming on our nation. It's getting darker and darker and darker. Our nation. This is the first year I've had to read three or four different books and pamphlets to figure out what I can do and not do right here now in the U.S. of A. The guy that made that video that supposedly caused all the problems, you know he's still arrested. He didn't do nothing wrong. Mike Ross edited and did our videos for our mystery dinner. He's not here today. wonder if they got him and put him away. They just came to the guy's house and arrested him for no cause, for no reason. Freedom, freedom. Oh, you see the days come. If I start missing church a whole bunch of times in a row, you better call the local jail. Seriously, that's probably where I'll be. I am not looking forward to that day. Don't want that day. But this is where we're at. And we blow off the various things that will give us the sustenance and the strength to go through the trials. You'll go through the flood, but you won't drown. You'll go through the fire, but you won't burn. You just can't claim that stuff and do nothing. This is that preparation time. Have you been watching the Weather Channel lately? Man, they are in high alert. They're telling you, if you don't do it today, forget it. It's too late. I had it on this morning getting dressed. And the reason why, because Ruthie's family's got some issues in Florida, and we were thinking of sending her to Florida, and I was like, man, that weather looks pretty bad. We better let this blow over. So check it out today, see what it is. And they're going, this is the last day. You have to prepare today or tomorrow's too late. And they're talking about a storm, and it'll probably be bad, but it'll blow over in a little bit. We're talking about supernatural storms that are brewing and turning and getting bigger and bigger and facing our nation. Is Walmart at a five or playing your, is that going to help? We have a huge baby boom going on in this church. Do we not? Man, well, what's going to help them? We were praying this morning for Nate, and we were praying. Seriously, we prayed this, God, the first time he holds that. It's a daughter, right? He's got a girl come, a daughter in his arm. You let that dad button go off inside of him. And he raises up and be the father that this girl needs. All things are lawful, absolutely. But all things are not helpful. Amen to that. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are edifying. A lot of things are not edifying. Just because something is permitted does not mean it is beneficial. Seriously, it, it just isn't. Last night, we had a time of hours of laughter and good food. I mean, belly laughter. Went away from church, told Ruth, this was awesome for the body of God. Good, clean, laughter doeth good like a medicine. 
And if you could have been there and you stayed home, why? Why? We offered you scriptural medicine yesterday. Laughter. In fact, somebody put on Facebook, I needed a good laugh. Going through difficulties and trials, disappointments and sadness, went and had a great laugh. Bible says it's medicine. I think the approach of most Americans now is, uh, what can I get away with and still be a Christian? And I'm sorry, that's just not going to work. I will continue and forever keep throwing a lifesaver out. I, I will. And there'll be some, not many, that will hold on when you drag them through. All the dumbness that goes on in church, and I know it does. All the stupidness, silliness. I know church on a whole and our, our, my generation probably turned off a boatload of people. But let me tell you something. It still doesn't take away from the truth. And God still says, don't abandon it. Don't give up on it. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some is. In fact, when you see the day approaching, and it is approaching, you need to even up it. Is that the word? Was it the word when God said to King David, springtime, I want you over there? It's the same thing. David didn't get away with it, and I'm not going to get away with it. I mean, there's a lot of time that David pacing back and forth, inquired of this girl. I don't know if she came that same night. They jumped in the bed nine months later. She's pregnant, great with child, nine months gone by. He's probably thinking, man, that was a cold fling. I'm glad I didn't go to war that day. She was such a babe. And he was a man with multiple wives. You could have multiple women, but you'll still lust. Lust is never filled. You walk in the Spirit of God and you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. He chose not to and he paid a horrible price. And the baby who did nothing died. Okay, we'll wind down with this. 1 Corinthians sixteen twelve, I, And I knew it would kind of be a quiet day because, you know, these things all hit us. And it also sounds like, it's, yes, the perfect pastor's message. But I'm like, God, what can I do? Not preach it? Should I not tell them or, or not warn them or at least give them this that they can go warn them whom they love? I mean, this is the Word of God. Bible tells us that without God, we can do nothing. Nothing. I mean, if, if you uh, go to work once a week, try to live off that income. You go to work just one day a week. You can't live off that. But then we're talking about spirit. We're talking about eternity. Eternity. Well, that thing that's lawful for me and helpful for me, all things are, it even gets worse. Look, it says in 1 Corinthians 6.12, it says, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Nothing is going to bring me under the power of keeping me away from serving God. That's what he was saying. Yeah, I know I can do that, and it's okay for me to do it. But I know that this thing is not beneficial for me or my children, and it can get a hold of me. I'm not even talking about something dirty, evil, filthy. 
Just something. Everything goes on on Sunday. Everything takes place on Sunday. Everything. Sports. I was a sports freak. I was born with, we, I mean, in a sports family, and I had three sons. And when they were of age to play, I was deep in the things of God. Not me, deep. I mean in it. We're in serving God. And they would say something on Sunday, we'd go look up to coach. If we can, we will. But if it's during this time, we won't. It's just the way it is. What was, what's more beneficial? What was more beneficial for Jason now that he has Luke and Isaac? Would it even have been more beneficial for him to be the next superstar? You kept him from being the next superstar. He could have made millions. Is that what you want for your grandchild? Not me. I want to encourage mine in the things of God. Oh, I'll play ball with them. And I have. I even told Luke, Luke, do it this way. But I'm not going to put none of that before God. At their age, at nine and six, I got one foot about on the other side. At their age, what are they going to go through? What are they going to see? What are they going to have to battle? And knowing how to field a grounder is not going to help them. Or getting the high score of the next, but this will keep them. As they filter everything through this, through the Word of God. Paul said, yes, this is lawful. Yes, that's lawful. But I'm not going to let any of those things get power over me. And they do. Most time they do. Unlawful things ruin thousands of lives. Unlawful. You commit a murder. You just do things that are not right, not lawful. Ruin many lives. Hundreds of lives. But worse, lawful things, which really have no stink to it, lawful things can ruin thousands and thousands of lives because they don't see the social stink to be in that. This is all right. There's nothing unlawful of that. It's true. But is it edifying? Does it keep you from the house of God? Does it keep you from the Bible studies? Does it keep you from locking arms with men? Does it keep you from worshiping God? Does it keep you coming from the house of God, presence of God? Not lawful. Well, there you have it. I don't know what our nation's going to head towards. It sure doesn't look like it's heading towards anything great. I don't know why the enemy is making me feel like this is a horrible Debbie Downer. I don't know why I should feel Debbie Downer to encourage God's people to come to his house. But I do. In this atmosphere of our nation. And it's horrible. And I'm not trying to be uh, a Debbie Downer. What I'm trying to do is to encourage you to how see how we select and make choices. Is it a natural choice or is it a spiritual choice? Spiritual choice or a natural choice? Well, all we're going to do now is just kind of open up the altars and hope that you'll just come down, you and God, and just kind of like talk where you're at with God and the things that maybe have been Tripping you up, things do trip us up. Or maybe God just saying, you need to ratchet it up. As you see the day approaching, it's approaching. It's on top of us. And only a good, sound, foundation, 
Christ being the cornerstone is going to keep you above the fray and above the high water. God has that ability. As you hang on to this, this is where we are now. This is all we got. I know election is coming. I'm voting. Oh, absolutely, I'm voting. I can't wait to vote. But that's not my answer. This is it. This is it. Our altars are open. If you please like to just come and conclude this morning by talking to God, asking God to please help you. Please help you to get it, to understand it. Everything we've said this morning and done is supernatural. It's spiritual. 